What's up? What's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm here to Poon tonight with Braden and Will. How's it going, boys? Yeah, it's good. Uh, the season is officially over. Um, I didn't really care about the Champions League that much because I I cannot stand either of the two clubs. So, uh, it, from my perspective, one of them had to lose. So here we are. The, the Champions League final. Someone had to play it, and someone had to win it. And a team won it, and that is good for them. Uh, I feel great because on Saturday night, wrestling had a full crowd, and AEW was dope. And it makes me sad that Fulham is now out of the Premier League because I can't use that sweet, sweet Fulham money to make wrestling even better. But uh, don't pay attention to me, y'all. I just really like wrestling. Let's just move on. I mean, Arvin was on the show, too. What an appearance from Urban Meyer in the middle of the stadium stampede. Just... Popping the boys, getting Chris Jericho. Tune into the Wrestling Academy here. <laughs> I, I'm to- sorry. Urban Meyer was on AEW. Yes. <laughs> In the middle of the stadium stampede, Urban Meyer is there planning a match, <laughs> planning a game, planning what to do with good old sunshine Trevor Lawrence. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Chris Jericho and MJF just fought their way through. Uh, suspension of disbelief, kids. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> It, it it was a bit wild, but uh, for all our listeners, thank you for uh, sitting through the Wrestling Academy, but this is the Football Academy. We're going to talk about football. I mean, much like Braden, I, did, I cared enough to not want Man City to win, I'll say, about Champions League, but uh, kind of on a very timely manner, we managed to get Shara Modi, one of our, you know, re- frequent guests at this point friend of the show to come on and give his thoughts about the season kind of wanted to do a wrap up because you guys have heard our thoughts overall so getting a new voice in to see what he thought and what all of us kind of made of the season um primarily covered the lack of fans how that affected best moments of the season, worst moments. And then we did something that we don't usually do, which is a draft where we kind of drafted the best managers, worst managers, most disappointing teams, the best teams and so on. So you'd be surprised with some of the names you hear, but overall I thoroughly enjoyed recording that with Shoria. Um, and much like he said, don't take him a bit too seriously. Cause you know, sometimes I feel like that that's how Chelsea fans are though. Where like when things are going great, it's like great. And like when things are going just a little bit bad, it's like the fucking worst time in the world. Like there is no in between of like, let's, let's be patient and learn, you know? I, I mean, yeah, that that's how that club is run. So why, why would they? Yeah, that is very, very fair. But, uh, before we put on the Sharia, interview i guess or the recording with him um do have a question for both of you like as fans what is the thing that excites you the most for uh this upcoming season full season with fans uh i want the songs i want the closeness i want the running into the crowd uh the noise that we've heard in the past couple weeks uh with the fans back has been tremendous so them being there for the entire time is the the more the world opens up because we've lived through this global bastard, the more that you realize the importance of fans. Uh, so let's let's get some butts and seats. Let's sing some songs. Let's drink some beer off premises because England is way smarter than America. And uh, yeah, that's I'm pumped to see how these places react to these teams, especially with some new blood coming in, including one team who I'm already excited about. 
Yeah, I think that's really fair. I, I think the the fans coming back, I, we can beat this as a dead horse, but it's just going to be really good to see the fans coming back and the impact that they're going to make on the matches. Uh, to be a little different from Will, I think I'm also just excited for the normalcy of the season overall. Like Fewer of the schedule adjustments and more just getting back to kind of how we expect the Premier League to go. Um, I... <laughs> It will be short-lived because the season after is going to be absolute chaos, um, but I, I am excited to just kind of get back to kind of what we consider a regular season and, and play that and not have, like, some teams have to start later than others because of, you know, having to play Champions League in August. And and I was like, I, I don't want that. Like, proper offseason, proper um, preparations for the season – and everyone kind of starts from the same spot. Yeah, that is very, very fair. Um, not to be a cop-out, but I am just excited to see who these new managers are in the new clubs because there are a lot of uh, big-time managers available, but Spurs still without a manager, Everton without a manager, Wolves almost have a manager. So um, surprising, some of the names that haven't been linked, but, uh, you know, just excited to see how what way this club goes. But... Uh, we're not going to stop you any further. Here is our talk with Sharia Modi, a.k.a. the Chelsea fan for this. The Honorable Chelsea fan for this podcast. Honorable. <laughs> so, uh, the overall European football season is over. We have with us fan of the recently crowned uh, European champions, Shoria and Chelsea Football Club. So let's let's get started there. You're the you're the guest on the show right now. So Shoria, Chelsea had what is one of the wildest seasons, um, not as wild as 2012, but still quite up there, I'd say. Um, how does it feel to have spent all that money and kind of be vindicated with the win at the very end? I mean, it's obviously still hasn't sunk in for me. Uh, it's been about three days, uh, been celebrating for the last two and a half, uh, recovered the half, the, the rest of the half, and now I'm going to celebrate again because it's going to be a fantastic summer. Uh, and yeah, the last time we spoke was back in January, and I don't think any of us would have given us a chance to be where we are right now. So yeah, it's surreal. Uh what the manager has done in the time he's been here has been absolutely nothing short of phenomenal. Okay, we lost a cup final. We lost, uh, we almost managed to uh, not make into top four, but winning the biggest prize that the European club football has to offer. I mean, that's just, as a fan, you just, you can just be proud of the whole team and the whole club. And yeah, it just feels great. It feels great. And I hope we build on it. Yeah, I mean, given where um, United and Arsenal are, I don't think either one of Braden or or I are feeling that building on a European Cup would be our statement anytime soon. But so first going to come to you, Braden, and then to Shara. So like overall thoughts on the season, um, you know, from an Arsenal perspective, from overall as a Premier League perspective. Again, we had all English European final. You had another team. English team in the final of the Europa League you had which also was very close to being an all English final as well so like the league looks very strong we've talked about this over and over again and kind of like now would be a good time to sum it up because I've said this 
it was top four when like we started watching football about 15 to 20 years ago now. And now it's not really like the big six kind of doesn't do the league justice at this point where you have the big six clubs, then you have Leicester, then you have Leeds, then you have a normal season Wolves. So overall this season, Braden, what did you make of it? Any thoughts on Arsenal? Any surprise team for you? And so on. Yeah, so I think you can throw Villa into that uh, kind of team hunting around and maybe Everton as well. I don't know if they count as big six. Or the West Ham too. Uh, yeah, I mean, just a lot of teams in and around the top positions. I, I think a lot of that this season was maybe just a little bit different considering lack of fans, extra COVID protocols, uh, the, the, the impact that that has on European competition and travel and all that sort of thing. And, and I think that next year is going to be getting a little closer to what we consider normal as far as how these teams shake out, um, as well as I, I think some of these teams having European competition, some of the teams not, it, is going to make for an interesting dynamic for next season. As, as far as this season, from an Arsenal perspective, especially, i uh, really just kind of glad it's over and we're done with it uh, and we can move on. Well, we'll probably come back to Arsenal and some of the – interesting things about them but it's really like it looks like arsenal didn't do anything at a very high level overview like they finished eighth last season they finished eighth this season um but kind of when you peel back a couple layers you know they they let everyone go um in january just you know paying people to leave the club um and just kind of like some of the effects and kind of the building blocks of this team i think you saw the emergence of guys like smith rowe Saka taking another step um really exciting from that perspective of arsenal but it's like which of these are gonna happen going forward i i don't really know uh the season overall i i am glad it's behind us not just from an arsenal perspective I don't want to go through another season without fans there. I think the last couple matches of the season just showed kind of how much of a difference it makes just from a watchability perspective. Like there, there's just certain things that CGI fans just can't do. Like it, it just doesn't, uh, you can't simulate kind of how the fans actually react to things and how much that adds to even just watching uh, on a broadcast. So I'm excited to have this part of it behind, and and that's not just sour grapes for the Arsenal season, but also just kind of a little bit of a move back towards normal, I think. Shorter, any comments, concerns about what Braden just said? No, I was just going to say, if you guys remember, uh, the way the season started was actually pretty crazy. There were freak results all over the place with Villa beating Liverpool, Spurs beating United, and then Leicester having that 5-2 victory with City. And up till November, I think we had like eight different league leaders. And it looked like the league was going to be pretty even because the lack of fans was making it a much more level playing field, in my opinion, which is kind of odd because if you have no, you'd probably expect the best teams to win, which kind of happened eventually. But the way it started, it felt like it was going to be the most open league season. And any team that could place a one of 10 to 15 games winning would go on to win the league, which is again what happened when Man City proved that they had the best squad in the league. Because obviously the season was so clustered in terms of games, the teams with the best squad were always going to come out top. And City proved that 
a certain point, at least as far as the Premier League. But uh, once City just went on that 25-26 game winning run, it was done and dusted. And the relegation as well, there wasn't really a relegation battle this time around. It was probably the earliest the three relegated teams were decided, which is obviously not great for the league because it always adds a bit of a spiciness towards the end of the season, you know, the relegation battle. From a Chelsea perspective, I can't complain about how the season went. I mean, uh, league-wise, okay, finished fourth. Uh, we lost a cup final, as I said, but winning the Champions League, you know, it's just, uh, I really don't know what to say. And uh, I just hope we can build on it, uh, move going forward. We have the exact tools we need. We have the right manager, a squad that's that has an average age of around 25. It's not getting any older as well because if you remove Olivia Giroud from the team, the squad uh, the age goes back like a couple of years anyway. Plus, we have the financial backing of the owner with the Champions League win. We should be able to go and sign anyone, and I mean anyone we want to, if if we want to improve our team and. If we don't challenge for the league next season, then I think there needs to be questions asked of this, uh, of the team, of the manager, of the whole, because uh, we did lack consistency this season. So I hope that we improve on that aspect. And as far as the fans are concerned, yeah, I'm completely on with what Brayton just said. We need fans in the stadium. And as the last two games of the season said, the fans just add so much more to just not the watching aspect of the game but to the game's atmosphere in itself like the Chelsea Leicester game I saw the two the two games the cup final and the league game at home I think the results would have been completely different if fans were not present if we had no fans at the bridge that day I don't think we would have won that game and I think if Leicester didn't have fans at Wembley I think we win that game so I think fans just add a whole different dynamic to how the game played and just having 8,000 fans in a 40,000 capacity stadium made so much more difference. So just imagine what a full stadium of home fans feels like for like a home team. It just removes the whole home advantage thing for me. So yeah, we need fans back in the stadium. And so ironic that as soon as we get fans back in the stadium, City lose a game. So you know, you know what to do for them. (laughs) Their home field advantage went away. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so I will say this, right? As weird as it was to watch this without fans, United with the number of comebacks that we had over and over again, I don't think you see that if if, if fans are in the stadium. But at the same time, like United had a pretty shambolic um, record at Old Trafford. So I don't think like you see that. Uh, from us either if the fans are there but I think more than just the fans to be honest early on in the season everybody was just on a different schedule like United didn't have a preseason like Chelsea didn't really have a preseason either I think everybody who was involved in Europe and stuff had like a real tough time getting in and you saw that and I think realistically the only team that didn't recover was Liverpool because they kept getting hurt like over and over again which again we talked about it during the season that um they had been so lucky with injuries over the last three years where you didn't see Salah really get hurt. You didn't really see Mane and all of those things. And um, it, ma- it made a huge difference this year, especially when, like, you know, the squad was considered and the fixture congestion. But as both of y'all pointed out, uh, having fans in the stadium is definitely going to make a huge difference next year. But which, so 
let me let me ask you all this: Which team were you the m- most disappointed by in the league? Um, in terms of whether it was just league play, whether in terms of what they ended up achieving for the season. Um, so, sorry, I'm gonna come to you first. Like, I think actually, I don't have a good idea. So, wh- who would you say is your team like that you were most disappointed with for the season? I mean, the relegation teams are obviously like. Uh... Yeah, it's easy for me to say Sheffield United because they finished eight last season. I think the lack having lack no fans at Bramall Lane affected them massively. Because last season I think they were actually their twelfth man pushing them forward and led them to like a top half finish. But if I'm looking at the whole season, I think Everton kind of disappointed me with the money they spent and the manager they have finishing tenth. I think that's kind of an underachievement for Ancelotti and that squad. Maybe I'm being a bit too harsh on them. But with some of the players they have and the caliber of the manager they have, I think they should have challenged for like a Europa League places at least for me. So I would say Everton. That's fair. Uh, before you go, Brain, one of the things I realized today was three of the last four managers to have finished 10th in the Premier League have been Real Madrid managers. The only one who hasn't is Sean Dyche. So we need to start a <laughs> petition to get him to go manage Real Madrid. I, what what I can't wait for is like someone to go up to Bale and be like, "What is that man saying?" Uh, Sean Dyche and, and Bale just being like, "I have no fucking idea, man. I can't understand him either." Um, I, yeah, that will be a uh, Sean Dyche at the Bernabeu would be something. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but uh, him. Him doing La Liga press conferences is really all I want for Christmas. Like, just would be in- incredible. Like, he talks about guys diving in the Premier League. Like, go over there. <laughs> Let's see what you have to say about it. Um, for my disappointing team, like, like this shouldn't be a surprise if you've listened to this, if you've talked to me offline ever. Um, it's Arsenal. Like, it's just this is a team I expected to challenge for top four this year and just – it's not even that they finished eighth. It's that eighth was basically the highest position they had this season. Like, you know, they were 15th for a little while. And then kind of once they got out of that doldrum, kind of just kind of struggled around 10th for a long time and just never really put it together. And I, for a squad with as much talent as on that team, I, I think there's some mitigating factors, and we can talk about that, and that's fine. But with a first squad with as much talent as they've had, I, I finishing where they did and just kind of the whimper of not really ever challenging for anything is got to be the disappointment for me. Yeah, I guess that that is, that is very very fair. I mean, um, I, I I personally I didn't think Arsenal were great. To be honest, when we started the season, I said it even early on, like outside of my hopeful, wishful thinking rather about Liverpool. Like I still said, like Arsenal had some doubts. But um, again, as you said, this season is kind of hard with a manager like Arteta. He's still learning, he's still, you know, learning on the job, essentially. So with a half, I shouldn't say a half ass team, but like it's not really a complete team that you can judge a manager on, right? Like Arsenal's got big issues. So I think we'll see how this transfer window goes overall. But um, I think I mean, both of y'all kind of took the two teams. But I, I was just going to, as a counterpoint to that, like I, I do agree. Arsenal are a unbalanced team that has 
holes that need to be fixed. But you got to remember, like where we were in August, September, like Arsenal had just won the FA Cup um, for whatever we count the community shield had just won the community shield. I, there was a lot of positive momentum. You have a bombing signing a new contract uh, and you just kind of felt, especially when Thomas Partey came that maybe there was something that was going to be about this team and, and it just didn't work out. And there's lots of reasons for it, but it's kind of at that time, I think it was right to question and say the wheels could really come off here, but th- there was another way to look at it and say, you could take a more optimistic view and say, you know, if these pieces click, they could they could actually do something, and and that's just not how it worked out. Yeah, that that is fair. I mean, I guess my biggest disappointment would be uh, betting against United as many times as I did, because I mean, I, I was so sure the entire season. I was like, you know what, we won a couple of games, like we're gonna lose again, and like we fucking kept coming back. Like it it, it was, and. What sucks about that whole situation is when it really mattered, we lost. Like games that when it really came down to it that you had to win, United lost. But every other time, like when we had to stay in the hunt for um, top four, we had to get like, you know, could go top of the table. We we did all of those things. So I, I think overall that, that would probably, as weird as it sounds, that would be like the disappointment in me as a fan. But um, a team that I would say I was really disappointed with, um, I, I would really say Liverpool, like not even trying to be a dick, like kind of a little bit I am, but um, you were the English champions by like so, such a large margin, like United, Chelsea, like we finished closer to relegation than we did to Liverpool. And to see the whole season, like I understand injuries, but like at some point you just have to change the way you're playing. Like I kept saying it over the course of the season as well. Like I understand not having CBs. I understand you're playing Henderson and everybody in center at center back, but like you ultimately ended up playing fucking a, a guy who was playing the conference Right, like it wasn't like you went out and got the next Virgil Van Dyke to come and play for you. Like you did, you just found two players who could play center back and played them at center back. So I, I think for all the excuses, uh, they were kind of very disappointing in my opinion. Just because you know, defending champions, you expect more. Like at least when we had our downfall, like at least we went from Fergie to Moyes. You know, like this was the same manager, same team. Like I, I, I think there was something bigger going on with Liverpool. Like they, they had almost everybody fit when they got smacked seven two as well, and they didn't even they had a decent preseason to begin the year. So I, I'm interested in seeing how it goes. But they were by far like for me the most disappointing team because, you know, again, at once they don't challenge uh, Man City, there isn't really a real challenge that is gonna come through in my opinion so those are the three most disappointing teams so before so first Braden, then short uh, who are like the three more surprising teams and this time around i'm I'm gonna just go ahead and stake my claim for west ham united because i they were almost relegated the year before and they kind of you know made sure not to get relegated this year and go all the way to europa league so gonna go on that but Braden. Most surprising team in a good way, I guess. Yeah, so I think it's really hard to look past uh, West Ham, as you mentioned, like very strong all the way around for them. And, you know, like I said, fighting off relegation, have the feel good story of 
both Moyes and Lingard when he came in there later. Uh, so really strong West Ham there. Uh, in order to talk about something a little bit different, um, I'm actually going to go with a team that I have often talked a lot of shit about on this podcast and I'm going to say Newcastle uh, for, for a couple reasons. One is Arsenal connection of Joe Willock. But I honestly, I expected this team to get relegated. Like I expected them to have a terrible season and them for maybe to be the 20th uh, team this season. And they finished 12th. Like they deserve credit for that. Um, it wasn't pretty a lot of the time. Um, kind of like West Ham mentioned with Lingard, uh, Willock coming on kind of gave them a real spark uh, to that team and uh, you know really pulled them out of a relegation fight. They were down there for a while, but once they got clicking, like they, there is something to that team uh, for sure. So, you know, it, I, I'm going to go with Newcastle because I just, I expected a lot worse from this team. <laughs> I was going to say Newcastle were actually a good shot. I actually never thought of them being like a surprise team, you know, because I always expect them to finish between 12th and 17th, 18th. But yeah, you're right. Like, they were, I actually fancied them to go down, who somehow turned it around. I don't know what happened. Maybe Joe Willock is the answer to all of Steve Bruce's problems. But for me, I mean, I could say Leeds, which is probably, again, an easy answer. But were they actually the surprising team? Because we had all this hype about, and the way Leeds play, they'll outrun you out. So I could, we can easily, we can say uh, they surprised us for a newly promoted team. But the fact that they already had that buzz around them doesn't really come as a surprise to like what they actually did. What surprised me about them was how they kind of changed the way they play towards the end of the season, where they kind of improved on the defense which I didn't really expect them to do. So they kind of evolved over the course of the season and adapted and figured out, okay, you just can't just go and fully attack teams in the Premier League and you have to be a bit more pragmatic, which I did not expect them to do at all. And for me, for a manager to actually change their style based on what's going on around in the league and how the league actually functions is a bit surprising. And the fact that a newly promoted team still finishes in the top half of the table, it's still a surprise. Like, I would not have predicted them to finish ninth uh, once the season kicked off. So, yeah, fair play to Bielsa, fair play to Leeds. I was actually a big critic of them at the start of the season where all these pundits were giving them all these plaudits for losing 6-1 at Old Trafford, but they still had a go. Losing 4-1 at 4-2 at Arsenal, but still having a go. But... At the end of the day, they still lost those games. But they, as I said, they evolved. They apparently, not apparently, they actually didn't lose to any of the top big six at home throughout the course of the season, which is actually a big achievement for like a newly promoted team. And if you, if they get the right signings and if they sign the right players, I wouldn't be surprised to see them like challenge for like uh, a top seven, top six place next season. I really have to agree with you there, Shora. Like I, I think the hype was justified but when you have the hype you can't keep giving them praises for getting bit slapped every other time like i'm not i've said this before i'll say it again fans are going to be back Allen road's going to be horrible to go to as a big six team especially as Matty united i think the uh, the derby there is going to be much worse than anything we've experienced that eddie had uh, like ever since they became relevant um however 
uh, I, I look at Leeds and it's like they have ballers like Calvin Phillips is a baller, like Rafinha is a baller. You know, like th- th- those are players that would make top six clubs better. Like, so I, I don't. So that's why for me, when people kept saying like, oh, Bielsa this, Bielsa that, maybe he's m- making them play at a much higher level than uh, usual. But I think the hype and the way people talk about them needed to chill out just a little bit. Like, credit to them, very good. But, like, they still were worse off than Chris Wilder and Sheffield United last year, right? Like, they finished eighth. This team finished ninth. And, like, Sheffield United almost had Europe last year. So, when you take all of that into account, I think because people hadn't really seen a team come and play the way Leeds did, I think that's what people got a bit too carried away. But, like, I know. Uh, I, I will disagree with you about, uh, not disagree, you didn't really state a point there, but like I, I really like them changing their ways in order to accommodate what was going in the league. And I hope more managers are mindful of that. I think people need to change their ways from time to time in order to um, you know, make sure that your team is ahead of the curve. And when you can't spend the way Pep Guardiola does, then it's hard for you to really uh, stay ahead of the curve. So I, th- I think Leeds will see what happens next season, but they're definitely here to stay. But I guess last questions before we end the first segment of the podcast. Um, I guess give, given where your team's finished and where the overall, um, where the league table ended up, what was your favorite moment of the season? I'm going to talk about just the Premier League, so like no Champions League final nonsense, Shoria. But yeah, in the league, good for that. <laughs> in in the league, what was your favorite moment? And then we'll do actually. Let if you want to start off with favorites and then the worst moment, we can do that, or we can do worst and best, whichever you want. Sorry, so is, is it just is it is is it from is it from a fan's perspective or like just a general? Yeah, yeah, like you can go from Chelsea perspective. You can go from a uh, like a normal game that you just watched, West Brom, uh, Newcastle United, that was really memorable to you. You know. Whichever you want to go. I mean, the seven-two was pretty memorable for me. I mean, I mean, uh, all this hype around Liverpool being labelled as one of the greatest Premier League teams ever, with the best ever centre back, the greatest ever goalkeeper, the best ever front three assembled, and just to see them getting spanked by an Aston Villa side who almost got relegated the season before was, uh, I mean, that was the best, one of the best things I've ever seen. From a Chelsea perspective. I don't really see us having too many great moments in over the course of the league season, but the last minute winner by Marcos Alonso at, at the Etihad was quite sweet. You know, seeing Pep about to win the title, Aguero doing the Panenka, being too overconfident, too cocky, and then uh, us coming back and showing them the levels that Champions of Europe teams actually do. Not Champions of England, Champions of Europe. You know, there's levels between those two teams. Uh, that was actually pretty. Pretty absolutely, I actually uh, loved it, and uh, yeah, I mean, except that probably from a Chelsea perspective, not really, just uh, not much to celebrate over the course of a league season. No, I guess now we know why we've been friends for like almost a decade and a half now. Because uh, one's about Liverpool, one's about Man City. Good job, lad. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, are are we doing best and worst moment here? We're just doing best moments, right? The best moments. All right. Uh, so, from Arsenal perspective, best moment for me is probably just I. I'm gonna what, point 3-1? out what's that? Not getting relegated. 
I'm okay. So six points against Chelsea. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but more seriously than that, I, the emergence of Emil Smith Rowe uh, was something that was just really, really good to see. Uh, it started with that Boxing Day match against Chelsea, where he just kind of came on, and uh, you know, a lot of Arsenal fans were excited about him um, coming into the season. Uh, coming back from his loan in Huddersfield, but we we didn't expect this. So he comes on Chelsea and just absolutely does not look out of place. Looks like he's played in the Premier League for years and just kind of is like, yeah, so this Mezic guy, he can just go on now. I'm like, we, we don't care anymore. We we have a playmaker. Um, and just that was easily to me one of the best moments um, overall, I think uh, from overall perspective of the league, uh, I'm probably going to disappoint uh, Sapoon here a little bit. And this is going to be recency bias, but uh, Allison's header uh, to, to win just the end, just like what a moment that was for a guy who's going through a lot of personal stuff, a lot of um, just just seeing a goalie go up and put in a. <laughs> a brilliant header like that just in general like just a lot, lots of stuff to like there um just i i don't know what to say like it's it's it was a good moment uh for me yeah i mean yo uh i've lost to that um i know what uh, it can do to you mentally and like you know as even allison said after the thing after the game that like he wishes his dad had seen that so um that was like in a very wholesome moment even though it was liverpool involved um, you know, they can be they can give you those moments from time to time. Um, as far as my best moment goes, man, um, I know it, it's it's got to be our win against Spurs for what it's worth. Like, you know, you it, that was just a very, very good game. And, you know, Son having PTSD halfway through the game, uh, you had um, you just a very good performance. Like as a United fan. And that was one of the, that was the first time since McTominay scored that goal that I was at a pub watching the game as well. So like just to be with fans on a personal note, like that was just a special, special night. So that's what I would say. Um, I mean, from a fan perspective, like, um, you know, fuck it, I, it, it's our podcast. I would just change the rules a little bit. I'll still stay in England, but just go a little bit further from the Premier League and into the FA Cup and the final. Like watching Leicester like lift the trophy, the owner, the the whole vibe of that final, like it it, it just felt special from a Leicester perspective. It just was nice. So um, I would say like that's got to be up there. I mean, I'll. I, that's probably the how I'll remember this season. But um, other than that, I mean, you know, um, Luke Shaw scoring at Etihad was probably another one I never thought I would say. So th- there were quite a few good moments. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll kick off the worst moment of the season, and that's probably going to be the 6-1 defeat to Spurs. I mean, Lamella being the cunt that he is, like whatever happened was pretty terrible with him in his face could have killed the lad and um outside of that as a united fan like in the premier league there weren't really that many bad results i would say so sorry our worst moment i have actually three bad moments from the season surprisingly uh the double against arsenal obviously is uh it's right there i hate losing to that club and the fact that they outplayed us both those games uh it didn't really it didn't really sit well with me 
uh, with, and the fact that Lampard got outclassed by Teta again at the Emirates was the defining the defining game where I was like, yeah, this guy's got to go. So for me, the the two defeats against Arsenal in terms of results wise were the worst. Lampard getting sacked was definitely a very low point for me uh, over the course of the season. Like even though I wanted him like gone, I wanted him. Uh, I just didn't feel he was right. He was the right man for the job. The job came too early for him. His ex- inexperience was coming through. His in-game management wasn't uh, really like up to the mark. But at the end of the day, he's a club legend, and you always want things like that to work out in like a fan sort of way. The romance of the game still exists. So when he got sacked, like there was a hot part of me that kind of felt a bit detached to the club. So I would say him going, seeing him go was one of the really like low points for me for the season. And again, as you said, the FA Cup final loss, like it's not, it's a, it's a tough day to lose a final, especially when you're favorites. So yeah, that just in terms of just not winning another cup, losing back-to-back finals. uh, Yeah, it was, it was a hard day, but overall, like when, when it comes to Leicester and seeing the owner celebrate, and what, where they've come as a club, it was easier for me to move on from that defeat as compared to like the other two moments I've said. Yeah, so yes, sir. for me, for worst moments, um, it's going to be weird because my worst moment is actually going to be from a draw. This is coming from the Arsenal perspective. It's, it's from a draw and not a loss. Um, but when... Granite Xhaka kicked the ball off of Chris Wood into Arsenal's net against Burnley. Um, and, and Burnley took four points from us based on an own goal and Xhaka kicking the ball off of Chris Wood. Uh, and, and those were the only two goals they scored against us. And that was got them four points. Th- that was a low point of the season for me. And, and just kind of like everyone true because if you look at the table, it, we weren't that far away from hitting some of our goals that we wanted to hit for the season. And just moments like that really just crystallize like just kind of how wasted uh, the season felt at times because there there were things that I, it's just moments that Arsenal weren't good enough that that cost them uh, this season. And, and it's not necessarily that everything was shit. It's just like in the big moments they kind of fell short and and it's the thing that this particular group of arsenal players have struggled with in general over the last few years so we'll see where we go from there but that, that was kind of my disappointment from the arsenal perspective kind of from just being a fan uh my most disappointing moment is every time they draw fucking lines on the screen for offside with far just like i am done with it if you can't tell without drawing the line. I just allow the goal. Like I, I'm, I'm so tired of this bullshit. And like I get what they're trying to do. They're saying offside is offside. We want to get it exactly right. Sure, fine, whatever. Just like I am so done with like seeing kind of a blur of a foot in saying like that's offside and just uh, a match is being decided on it. So I if. VAR could be fixed in England by miking the ref and the VAR re- and the assistant um, VAR referee, and, and you can hear that conversation, as well as just not drawing lines. And, and those are my disappointing moments. 
I mean, I, I will say this, and we got to end this segment to uh, get Will back on, on here, but I, I would rather have the lines drawn and like be as as consistent as they have been with the offsides compared to like the handball rule. Cause like the shit, the shit show of the VAR overall is, is not great, but at least like with offsides, I've gotten used to it at this point where it's like, you know, I don't celebrate goals cause it's like, maybe there's offside, maybe there's this. So, you know, it, it is what it is, but at least it's consistent. Like other fouls, handballs, like I, I just don't even understand what the law is. So, that's all I'll say about that. But that is it for this segment of the podcast. We're going to be back with Will, with the three of us, because we got some drafts to look forward to. So we shall see you guys on the other side. What is up, guys? Back with the second segment of this podcast. We also have Will with us now. So welcome back, Will. Uh, now you can talk about some football instead of being an adult and working. So... We are going to do something we really don't do on this podcast. We're going to do a draft where we're going to, instead of just giving you our opinions of the four, four worst teams, four worst managers, four best, four whatever, we're just going to go in and try to kind of order them to see if we can make any sense out of that. So the first category we're going to go to are the four, excuse me, the four worst managers in the season. They can be managers who have been sacked. They can be managers who are still managers. And the number one person that is going for it is Will. So, Will, tell us who you thought was the worst manager. I had it narrowed down to two choices, uh, but I think the one I'm going with is the one that feels the most obvious to me because he got brought in to do a job and he didn't do it. I know I've talked a bunch of shit. I think I'm going to stick with my shit talking. It's Sam Allardyce. This man is supposed to be the savior of teams who are about to get relegated. And he came in and fell on his ass. And as much joy as I personally took in that for some reason, because I'm a terrible person, it has to be said that if that is your entire MO, my guy, you can't just fail. Like if Michael Jackson slipped doing a moon moonwalk, you'd make fun of him. So I'm going to make fun of Sam Allardyce for not being able to do the job he was supposed to do. Uh, uh, my, my choice is probably going to be said by someone else here. So, yeah, Sam Allardyce, way to fail. All right. I mean, not really a whole lot of arguments on my side. I mean, anyway. I can just say that uh, even though, like, he did get relegated, he didn't save West Brom, I don't think that he had, like, the, the, the tools to, like, get them out of any sort of danger. Like, he, had, he didn't have the right players. He didn't have the setup around him. It was just a job which was going to fail. So, I mean, I, I, I have no arguments with the choice because obviously his record for saving clubs from relegation is something to behold on. But it, it, was, it was a task which was a lot tougher than some of his other previous clubs, which he saved. Yeah, right, I think sure. that's fair. I don't think he did a great job, but worst is maybe a bit hard. Like, he came to West Ham and didn't improve them, but he, like, they weren't worse either. So, I, I don't... To defend my own point, which I never do, um, I we mentioned him off air. Billich, I felt like would have gotten a better performance out of those guys, and I felt like he was getting decent performances out of them at the beginning of the season before he got trashed. So I would say maybe Sam had some tools to fight off survival, and he didn't use them properly. Hey, uh, which, I mean, Big Sam slapped enough. the shit out of Chelsea. 
I was just gonna say we, we lost didn't Village do that too though. Uh, I think that ended ended up going three three. So that's why that that's where Big Sam just edged him. Your turn, worst manager. Oh yeah. Um, if Big Sam is someone who's been brought in to save relegation, a team from relegation, there's another manager who came in to do a job and did not do. Was the the special one came to win the North London White Side Let's trophy. go. <laughs> and unfortunately, not this time around, mate. Uh, no trophy for you. Back in back to managing some club that finished seventh in the Serie A. Going to be playing Europa Conference League next year. Uh, Jose Mourinho for me. Some people said Spurs had the best transfer window, getting Gareth Bale, Sergi Reguilon, all these players. Uh, and they're going to finish top four comfortably, maybe even challenge for the league. Not the league season, let alone the league season. He lost to Dinamo Zagreb after being 2-0 up in the first leg. And that, and that was a team that had their manager in jail. Like, let's be honest. Like, I don't really, really need to say anything more than that. Oh, I forgot about Okay, that. except the banter, because obviously, like, we, I think we all hate Spurs in some sort of way. Uh, I just feel like the way he set up the team throughout the season was absolutely dreadful. Spurs have been known to being one of the best attacking teams going forward with the likes of Son, Ali, Kane, Lucas Moura can do a job, Lamella as much as he's hated as like a professional, I think he can still do a job as a footballer. But the way he set up so pragmatic Relying on a defense that is always going to going to going to have to concede goals with Eric Dyer, uh, Serge Aurier, uh, an average keeper and Hugo Lloris, it was just the wrong way to set that team up. Instead of focusing on their strengths, he decided to like focus on the worst aspect of the team, which was their backline, and I just think that was one of the worst tenures he could have hoped for at Tottenham throughout his time. I got a good documentary out of it, though, you know. I mean, so, Amazon benefited the most from his uh, arrival, for sure. Thanks, Jesus. The main thing I took from this was I didn't realize that Roma were in the Europa Conference League, and I cannot wait for the <laughs> scenes when Jose denies Spurs of their trophy in that competition. <laughs> Man. <laughs> You can see it happening. Roma was his first conference league final in Albania next year. <laughs> Good dance, bro. <laughs> relax, relax. <laughs> um, I mean, with Marina, I, I don't even know what to say to that because, like, the way they started the season, bro, like, fucking 6 1 at Old Trafford, like, Spurs fans going mental about that. I was like, like for uh, for a hot second, I was like, you know what? May- maybe Mourinho's got something going. You know, like first couple of weeks it looked like that, but it all did keep come uh, crashing down. So good, good call, good call on Mourinho. That Braden, you're up next. Who do you got? All right, so this might come as a little bit of a surprise, uh, especially to one person who is uh, contributing this evening. Um, but this is a team that I had much higher expectations for this season, obviously. Um, it felt like they had a platform to challenge for a European spot and they just didn't happen. Um, so I'm going with uh, Ralph Hassenhuddle at Southampton, uh, just a team that never really seemed to put it together this season and finishing 15th after what they did last season, I, I think is a real disappointment. And I looked at their finances a little while ago, like they're going to be in, 
I don't want to say trouble. Like they're going to have some difficult decisions to make going ahead. And I, I wonder if kind of their chance to take that step is kind of passing them by. Um, I, I just think it's really disappointing uh, for Southampton overall this season. Yeah. I mean, another year, another nine, no loss for them as well. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's just not gone well for the Austrian out there. So good shout that good shout. I mean, you know what? I, I will also go with a manager who I had huge expectations from. Um, I apologize for my comments about him on air. Um, I got a message from a good friend of mine to tell, uh, telling me to up my football knowledge because of how he was going to lead them to the league title. Is that friend but, I mean, present with us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I got to go with Lampard, man. Like, yo, I, the fact that they ended up going to two cup finals, winning the Champions League and like getting top four, like th- that team looked nothing like it under him. Like, and it might be a bit harsh to include him. Like, you know, like I, the other person I was thinking of was Scott Parker, but like Scott, I made that known like literally the first week that Scott Parker, I think Scott Parker is horrible. So um, not going to keep going on that, but Lampard, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I think the job came a little too soon for him. A, a, very Mourinho-esque exit as well, in my opinion, like in a very different way, but similar where like he just fell out with the players, um, came and had some press conferences blaming the players like that. That's when a couple of the times even I thought I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. But yeah, I, I think the job that Tuchel came out and did compared to what Chelsea were under Lampard, like it, it, it just very different and that's why i think he'll he'll be on this uh list for me but thanks to them sacking lampard and uh getting tuko i get a free jersey so shorter you have my address you have my <laughs> you have the jersey that i want so uh hope before you come on this the next time i get my jersey but that are the, those were the four worst managers we're gonna go with the four best managers Will went first last time around, so this time it's going to be Sharia. You're up here. Who was your best manager? Um, I feel like if he had won on sa- Saturday, right? Saturday was the final. If Pep had won, I think you would have probably had an easy reply of Pep here. But does that change your opinion a little bit, given what's happened? I mean, the fact that you we can jump on from what you said about Lampard and who replaced him. And since it's my club, I kind of need to give this two, three minutes to the guy who's completely transformed the way I'm feeling today about the football season. And that is Thomas Tuchel. This guy comes in end of January, where we like ninth in the table. We're like five or six points off fourth. Okay, it doesn't seem like a lot of games, a lot of points, but we're still like four or five places behind fourth place. So you still have to bridge the gap from like four or five teams to get that fourth place. The way he completely transformed us in terms of like the way we play, the mentality of the team, I still don't believe that it's oh, he's only been in the job for four months. It feels like he's been ma- manager of Chelsea for the last two, two, three years easily. The first, the best thing about me, which struck out when he came, was so he lands in the country, he takes one training session, and then he's on the touchline for the game against Wolves. Ninety-five of the percent of the managers who I feel would have chosen to take that game out and watch from the stands. But he chose to actually take the training session and be a part of the team for that one particular game. And even in that game, you could already see what the club, what the team was trying to do in terms of playing out from the back, 
the defensive organization as it ended nil-nil. So you can see uh, that he already had a plan in place. And then we went on a game uh, streak of around 13 consecutive games without conceding or something, which is unheard of. And the fact that we won the Champions League playing, I think we deserve it. It's not like 2012 where we rode our luck in most games. I think we completely dominated all the teams we played. Uh, were the better team against the champions of Spain, were the better teams against the runner-off of Spain, and were the better team against the champions of England, who we beat three times in a row. Was I mean, I, I don't really have enough words to say how good of a job this man has done. And I believe he, des- he deserves to be backed in the summer, in the window. And if I had to stick my neck on the line right now, I think we he will challenge for the league next season. So I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. I'm not completely sold by Tuchel uh, for the long term. I think he did well in the comp- competitions overall, like the Leicester um, final aside. I hate to use the word luck because like you make your own luck in this game, but uh, the the league match against City where um, – probably Sterling should have gotten a penalty. Like you had Aguero doing the Penanka. Like there were just moments in that. that I felt like in most matches city probably would have won that game. And there's been a few moments like that with Tuchel that I felt that he's gotten the right side of the luck on those matches, but fair play to them. Like they won the champions league. So like, what the fuck do I know? Right. Um, so I, I'm interested to see where he goes next year. I'm slightly more pessimistic than than you are on that show yet, but I, I mean, you can't really deny the job that he's done to turn around um, in this from when he took over. It's a it's a different thing though to take a club going forward, and it'll be one that'll be interesting to see. Can I can I just say a couple of things to that? Um, the City game which you spoke about, at Sterling shouldn't even have been on the pitch because he should have been sent off in the twelfth minute for that high challenge on Werner. So uh, for that, if you want to take referee decisions, there's one I got as well. In terms of what the job, I, why the job I feel he's done is much more impressive, is a short span between games and the lack of time he had to actually instill his philosophy. So we had a game every three days. And for a manager to come in mid-season and do the job he's done with the amount of games he had and the lack of time he had on a training pitch shows how well of a tactician he is and how well of a guy who knows his tactics and believes in his strengths so that's why i mean you know like it's hard for me to not back him at this point of time but i understand the reservations you have against him but as a supporter like there's i can only see like us going forward under this manager and that's why i said i hope he gets backed and not like sacked in the first downhill of form we have like we did under lampard i mean that's chelsea though I thought you were going to say like, uh, Di Matteo. <laughs> <that Lampard>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, you know what? Let, let's not take too much time because, like, again, we're, we'll end up talking hypotheticals about Tuchel. But I, I also don't know what you keep talking about backing, though. Like, how much fucking... He had 250 million worth of players come in last summer. Chelsea as a club. And then you're going to have around 200 million this summer. Like... It, it, Roman's not going to so not you, back Are you going to include uh, like Mourinho spending under Oli's uh, transfer money spent as well? Then or are you going to include Rogers' spending? No, actually, actually because the, the the window that 
Ole came in on, we had signed Fred and the Lee Grant. So, you know, didn't really have 250 million. But point taken. All right, Braden, who is your uh, best manager in this scenario? Yeah, so I, I think this is pretty straightforward. I, I do think there was an argument, despite what I said, I do think there was an argument for Tuchel, especially after winning the Champions League. Um, but for me, for overall, for the entire season, I think I'm going with David Moyes. Like, I don't know what more you can really say about West Ham from a team that was nearly relegated last season uh, with a manager that I think most people have pretty much considered dusted and, you know, had just proven that Everton was the outlier and, and not who he really was um, to kind of pick, pick himself up and carry forward and do a really good job with West Ham. Um, you know, West Ham probably had, uh, like I said about Tuchel getting on the right side of luck. West Ham probably had a few of those moments as well. Certainly benefited from not playing uh, in Europe with the congested schedule. But, you know, I even with all that, just really, really impressed with what David Moyes did this season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to take the easy one here with Moyes. Can I just point out that this the most respect to this dude? He played real life football manager, y'all. This in this season, he was at home just <laughs> with COVID. Like, I'm gonna play chess over here and got his team to Europe. Like, that's a good shout. That is. I mean, that would have been my pick, and I really don't want to pick Pep Guardiola. So, you know what? I'm gonna be a fucking homer and I'm gonna go with Solskjaer. Just because um I, I think he achieved what I wanted him to achieve this season. And I know Shari is going to have a lot to say about this, but overall, like, I, I, I don't want Pep. I, I, I don't want to pick Pep because that's kind of like the easy way out here. And outside of that, like, didn't really have a whole lot. Like, I do have enormous amounts of respect for what Dean Smith has done, but I still think Aston Villa underachieved a little bit, so didn't want to go with that. And Brendan Rodgers, probably the only one outside of that, but again, missed out on top four for back-to-back seasons. So um, I'm a, I'm gonna go with Ollie out there. So, Will, what's up? Oh no, I was I hate you because that was I, I that was he was on my list, and I fucking hate that your manager was on my list and you were a homer. But he that's a good job. <laughs> I uh, I'm last. So you really have the most successful manager in the league right now to pick from. And yet, I'll make a strange choice. I'm going Bielsa. And it's just simply based on style of football alone. And as someone who enjoys entertainment, I want to watch Bielsa manage. I want to watch his teams play. Uh, again, you've heard me say it 15 times. I wish he was my manager, but that's cool. Carlos Bocanegra. Um, Leeds played some fantastic football. I really want to see when he like has a full season under his belt, what he's going to do with this team. Cause this could be a Leeds team that does what we expected Southampton to do this season, next season, which is challenge for European places. And it's all because the guy who sits on his little ice box is such a brilliant tactician and such a weird dude in the general sense that like, I got to give credit where it's due. I'm not going to shout out my manager because you know, it was a rough one. So I'd rather give it to a dude who produced a lot of really fantastic football this season in Bielsa. So sticking to my guns. I mean, uh, I will say this, man, like people, 
people think tactics and people think like, you know, formations and like the way they're playing and all of that. Like, I think what Bielsa does during the week is what helps his team win more often than not. Like murder ball and all of that stuff. Like that's what helps leads be leads rather than like realistically like changing up formations and all of that, that people really seem to care about. So good shout on Bielsa. Uh, I think the decent four managerial list. Uh, if anybody's trying to hire a manager, that would be a very decent list to look at, in my opinion. Having said that, we do need to cover a decent amount with not a whole lot of time left. So let's go quickly into the four worst teams, in our opinion. This Braden, you're going to start. I mean, it's kind of like perfect for you if you just want to go pick Arsenal with the number one pick. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I have considered that and there's a strong case for that. Um I I'm not going to take Arsenal. I I'm going to go with Everton. Uh from a team that we kind of looked at earlier this season, we looked at the moves they made. We looked at at one point they looked like they were going to challenge for a title very brief uh, like in the first 10 matches of the season or so. Um and then just kind of like completely collapse from there. Um, I don't know. Like there's not much to pick from between Everton and Arsenal, I feel like, but I, I, I just was really, really disappointed this season with Everton. I, it kind of felt like after they had that, that strong run at the beginning, I, it just felt like they did nothing, nothing at all, really. Uh, and, and just kind of, if they could win one nil, they would, if they couldn't score a goal, like, that that's just kind of what they did. Uh, re- really boring from a team that I feel like has a little bit more talent overall than that. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I'm I'm kind of gonna go on a tangent. I don't want to say it was one of the worst teams, but in my opinion, one of the most disappointing teams. Because I went on other people's podcast earlier before when the season was about to start and talked this team up and. Expected points and expected goals will let you know that this team should have been a lot fucking higher than where they ended up finishing, and that was Brighton. Like, I really am a fan of the way Graham Potter plays. I am a fan of how Brighton plays. They had Lamptey. They had um, Wape out there. I thought a couple more signings maybe here and there. I was high on Alexis McAllister and all of them, so I was kind of very, very disappointed with where they ended up being. And again, like, the... I also like fucking Everton and Spurs are looking for managers. Neither one of them have been connected to Graham Potter. Like, I don't understand what's gone wrong with Brighton, but I do think uh, they they have to be up there for me in terms of teams that disappointed me the most. So you say Brighton should be that, like or should have done better. But let's be honest, these these look at the squad they have, like they should be down there fighting for relegation. Uh easily with the likes of Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United. But they didn't they didn't even I don't think they were in danger of going down realistically at any one point of time. Look at the players he's improved. Leandro Trossard is in the Belgium squad now. Ben White was in the England provisional squad. He's improved players like Danny Welbeck is also he started scoring goals. And the way they play, it's actually it's it, they're uh, actually, no, no Welbeck slander, but come on. Yeah, yeah, you got to stop that. I thought, I, I thought, I thought this guy was done. But the fact that he he's scoring goals for Brighton, and on the one of the goals he scored, where he just did like a Cruyff turn and banged in the bottom corner, that was unreal. So I did not expect Danny Welbeck 
to be doing that in 2021 at least. I mean, so so here's what I'll say to that, right? Like, I do agree when you realistically look at the team and look at everything else, like, it wasn't great. But what I, I'm on understat.com right now, which if you do like advanced metrics, like it does give you a very good idea. Bro, Brighton were supposed to be fifth according to expected points. Like, th- th- that's what I mean by disappointing. I'm not saying that they should have been out there competing for top six or competing for... I'm saying... Given the performances they put in and everything that surrounded that club, uh, I, I just expected a little bit more than what I saw. Like I, so, I, so I expected put, them to be West Ham. So would West you Ham. put Graham Potter as one of the worst managers of the league then? No. If you're I, putting I, his team as one of the worst ma- if worst teams of the league, then surely you should be putting his ma- the manager as one of the worst managers of the league season then. No, I, I'm blaming the team. I'm I'm saying I'm saying the manager did his job. I'm saying the players didn't do theirs. Okay, that, 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 that's, that's that's fair enough. That's fair. All right. After that, uh, who is up next, boys? Will, who is your worst team? I love that no one's piled on the uh, relegated teams because that means I can pile on the relegated teams. You, you don't make fun of the dead, bro. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I can be honest. I'm actually not going to pick on the bottom three. I talked a bunch of good stuff about this team earlier in the season, and they underperformed in such a way like Southampton, but not Southampton. Wolves. Liverpool? Oh. I expected Wolves to be to just be a force. After what we saw in the last couple of years from them, after all the money they spent, after the fact that half of Portugal now lives in Wolverhampton, I just assumed... <laughs> that they would do a tidbit better uh, in the league. I know they suffer some injuries. I don't necessarily know the story with Nuno and what happened with him leaving. Uh, but, but for all of the, oh, we love Wolves and Triori's beast and all this wonderful stuff, we talked for them initially they did not in the European places and just kind of, here's my joke again, at the catering table, not doing shit. It's kind of an underwhelming performance. Uh I should have fucking picked Everton. Though. That was a good one. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't, I understand why they performed badly, but uh, I'm not really going to try to defend Wolves as far as they go. So, Braden. Yeah, I, I was just going to add to that. Like, I do think that Wolves, even with the, specifically the Jimenez injury, I, I think we've maybe overstated just how many injuries they've had, but specifically the, the Jimenez injury, I expect them to take a step back, but I think they took a much bigger step back than I expected them to. Yeah, that is very, very fair. So, Sharia, you are up a worst team. I'm actually struggling with this for some reason because there's a few I want to I wanna talk about, but I don't know which one should I actually come across and speak about. But I'll, I'll go with Arsenal, I'd say, like, finishing <laughs> eight. I mean, it was between Liverpool and Arsenal for me. Uh, I was thinking Crystal Palace, but then I think they finished where we all expect them to finish between 12th and 15th. So it's not really like they've underperformed or anything. So I'd go with Arsenal. It's always easy for me to talk bad about them anyway. So yeah, finishing eighth, no European football for the first time in 25 years. Uh, Some of the most embarrassing results uh, in the club's history, losing to Burnley at home. Went on that run where they lost four or five consecutive home games, and I don't think that the the, uh, the side should have progressed from that FA Cup when they had. They should have built on that, but 
12 months later, still don't really see a proper style of play. The manager looks more inept every the more I see him, the more weak he looks, even though he beat us two games uh, of the season. So I'd say, yeah, a pretty easy choice for me. Eight, I uh, didn't really challenge for top four at any point of time. Lost to their old manager in the Europa League semi, uh, deservedly as well. I think it's a pretty uh, straightforward uh, choice when I look at it, actually. I don't know why I even thought about it. I mean, I mean to, to be fair, they, they lost to the eventual winners of the Europa League. So that. <laughs> Feel like that—that's a bit There's too much. No, of no really saying twisting much words. The finalist. Then. I mean, I think that's <laughs> fair to be honest. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I'm—I agree with that sentiment. But, uh, Braden, any words to defend your club? Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I think most of the criticism is fair. I do think that I—I I, I will take a little bit of exception with the Arteta looks more and more inept because if, if you look at how the club has performed, you know, since boxing day, like it's been pretty good. It's been at a top four level uh, based on, you know, whatever metric you want to choose, whether that's goals for goal difference points. uh, It's, it's all there for the team since basically since that Chelsea game. Um, That said, like the season didn't start on boxing day. So like, I think all the criticism is very fair uh, for the club overall. Can I ask you something? Do you, do you reckon he kind of messed it up by changing that system where he was playing the back three, being solid, to no. like being trying and being a much more expansive style? No, uh, I, I don't think like, that at all. I think that the change to the back four is kind of what the only thing that improved the season overall. Really? Yeah, because like it, if you look at the back three, it was just really, really. <laughs> It was dot, with, like with with the, with the back three, they were having a tough time getting shots on target, like during games. Yeah, like if you really really go look at the underlying metrics from like early on in the season, the back three was good in a cup run that they had with the FA Cup, in my opinion, because you know there has to be a winner or a loser. But like in these games, like big teams ain't gonna or small yeah. teams ain't gonna come try attack Arsenal. They'll be like, hey, if we can get a goal, much like Burnley did, you know, it was a fucking freakish header. Out of nowhere to win the game, so you're like, I like that's why I think the change is kind of a bit. Yeah, hard. but they, but when they reverted to the back four, they lost that solidity that they had with the back three. So not only were they not creating chances, they but they were weren't solid. They were well. losing, but they were like, losing uh, with the back four anyway. They were conf- they lost four 0 to Aston Villa or something at home. No, that that was yeah, a back I mean, three. Yeah. I I, I, th- I think ultimately you you just kind of look at them and really ask them the question of like why the fuck did they sign William Saliba if they were not going to register him? But like that those are the questions that I would ask as far as the defense goes. But uh, everything you said also does make sense. And I I will say if I'm a rephrase for all the listeners, it's not a list of the worst teams. It's the more most disappointing teams. I would say because you know what the four worst teams would be the four teams that finished like yeah. bottom right so like yeah. let's so four most disappointing teams that was the list the final list of the night best four teams I get to go number one and this is the one time I don't want to go number one but I have to I'm gonna go out there and I I will pick this team because they brought me the most joy and I'm not talking about Man United. I am talking about a team that uh, changed its name after the January window 
from West Ham United to Jesse Lingard Football Club. Because talk about an impact signing. That guy went there and genuinely felt so happy for them in terms of getting Europa League. I've talked about that where clubs like United, clubs like Chelsea, like when we get the Europa League, it's kind of like, you know, fuck, like we don't want to be in Europa League. Seeing them really be happy uh, being in Europa League made my time. So uh going to go with West Ham. Any questions, comments, concerns about that? Pretty straightforward for me. Just a vintage Joe Willock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up, Will. Uh, I'm not going to go with the team I have in second. I want to pick somebody else. Go with somebody else's night. I'm going with Leeds. I'm going with Leeds. Uh, again, from an entertainment standpoint alone. Every Leeds match, including the one that they the ones they played against us, where we got our asses fucking up ass. Like it was fantastic watching their fans are not my favorite, but they make a great racket and they're fantastic when they're at home. It's it was if West Ham is the most feel good story, then bubbling on people winning titles because no one really cares about them. Uh, it's got to be that Leeds team bringing some prestige, bringing some swag back uh, to the Lily Bay. So, another shout out to Leeds, which is apparently like my new Southampton. I don't fucking know. Well, um, on that note, that does remind me you still owe me 75 bucks, bro. Fucking Newcastle. God, what? <laughs> um, so, uh, Shorter, your thoughts on the uh, best team? I mean, we've spoken for about an hour and a half and we haven't even given any plaudits to the champions of the league. So I'd have to say Manchester City. Uh, I mean, again, uh, they've had like one of, the, one of the most incredible seasons again. And what's impressed me the most about this season and about Pep is that he's kind of adapted and kind of found a new way to win games which was lacking before with this new defense uh, he's had. Ruben Diaz has been impeccable since he's come in, player of the season for me. He's not only made him him look, look himself better, but he's made the team around him look better. He's made John Stones look like a different player to what they signed. Cancelo looks great. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan has had like a brilliant season. And the fact that they went on this run where they won 23 or 24 consecutive games, which is the second longest ever winning streak in the history of football, says something about this, uh, the team, uh, the job Guardiola's done. And let's not forget, they had a really, really bad start the season. They were languishing in eighth or ninth uh, in November when they lost like to Leicester uh, 5-2. But he gathered the troops, found a different style of play. And he's he's won the league without a striker, like whoever thought that, despite having Aguero and Jesus on the bench. And he's brought the best out of Phil Foden. Riyad Mahrez has had a brilliant season. Uh, so again, fair play to Pep, fair play to City. Uh, great job once again. I mean, the only thing I'll say to that man is we knew they wanted a centre-back and they didn't only end up getting Ruben Diaz. They also got Nathan Ake to make sure nobody else had that. You know, so like I, I, the reason I don't give them enough enough credit that I, I do know that I don't. But the reason I don't want to is be, just because of that. Mares has been sulking on that bench for fucking four years and finally had a season. So like, you know, um, th- that's my criticism. But at the end of the day, the job he's done is pretty incredible. Braden, you get to go with the last pick, sir. 
Yeah, so Sidig was my pick. Um, I, I was thinking maybe it would get to me, but clearly did not. Um, so the, beyond that, I didn't think there were that many positive surprises in the league. Uh, so I'm going to go with the team that finished second, uh, Man United. I was impressed with the way that they kind of weathered the short offseason that they had uh, with having to play in Europe and having that kind of chopped up with a late start and, and all that that kind of entails and then managing um, you know the cup competitions whether it's Europe or um, you know the the various uh, cups of the domestic cups they played in and I I, I felt that Ole really in, in a season that was very inconsistent Ole consistently had United playing very well and so it's maybe not where United expects or wants to be. And there's some, there's a chance I think they can improve next year because they did have 11 draws. So you turn a few of those into wins and all of a sudden the season looks different. Uh, but I think overall a, a really strong season uh, for United. So I, I'm going to go with them. Thank you, Brad. All right. Uh, that brings us to an end of this podcast. We'll be back next week. But on this note, man, thank you so much, Shara, for joining us, giving us your insight. And uh, hopefully we get to have you back for the preview where, you know, you're up here about Chelsea getting, giving the manager the backing and, you know, uh, all the 200 million players you're going to sign. So thank you, mate. And we'll Wait, you, talk to you. You, 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 you spent 250 million last summer as well. And you still want only to get 200 more millions. I don't know who you We, we didn't spend, we spent like 50 million bro to get Van Der Beek. Yeah. What about the season window before that? Then I didn't, then I wasn't complaining <laughs> about the manager. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see it. Anyway. Uh, thanks for having me guys. Uh, cheers. All right. I uh, hope yeah. to speak soon. Thank you for everything. And you're kind of like the on, uh, honorary guest at this point or honorary member of the podcast at this point. So we'll glad to have you back. So don't take to you, my sir. opinions too seriously though. Yeah. We never yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you. All right, boys. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Take care. All right. Thank you.